It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today we take a delayed weekend mailbag. It's still the weekend as we record the episode, though, so I think this is maybe more of a weekend mailbag for us than our normal weekend mailbags, which we typically have recorded on Thursdays in the offseason. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you. James, we have a bunch of questions to get to, as always, for this three-segment weekend mailbag. And the first question this week comes from Just Another Bengals Fan. At Just a Bengals Fan on Twitter asks, What do you think the ceiling is for the secondary? Personally, the lack of a clear weak point gives us a high floor, writes Just Another Bengals Fan. Obviously, having a Jair Alexander or a Jalen Ramsey is great, but having no major holes is also important. Cough, cough, LaShawn Sims. (laughs) I like the cough there. It was pretty funny. And I think that's what the Bengals envision, right? That's why they went out and got an Eli Apple for depth. That's why they still have Darius Phillips, because they feel like they're probably five deep at corner, which certainly wasn't the case in their minds last year, specifically after you lose a guy like Trey Waynes. And I I think the the ceiling for this secondary, because you're including arguably the best safety in all of the NFL and Jesse Bates. You're including a guy in Von Bell uh, who seemed to have settled in towards the back half uh, of the season last year and and realized his role. And I, I think the Bengals probably figured out the best ways to use him. So I think this could be a pretty good secondary. Now, the questions are, can Trey Waynes not only be his pre-injury form, but can he deliver on what is a monster contract? And that doesn't mean being Jair Alexander, one of these lockdown corners, but can he be a borderline CB1? Can Chidobe Awuzie be not only healthy, but be that playmaker that we saw flashes of in Dallas? And then obviously we know what Mike Hilton can do from a, a blitzing standpoint, but can he just be, you know, hold up in coverage and, and make a couple plays as well? So I think overall, there certainly is it from a ceiling standpoint, you could be talking about the best safety in the NFL with guys around him that are pretty good, too good, but that's if everything happens right and Trey Waynes takes a step and Chidobe Awuzie can stay healthy along with Waynes and all of those things. And there there are a bunch of ifs there. So, uh, and, and by the way, I left out Lou Anarumo using these guys effectively and correctly, which is, is obviously uh, another part of the equation there. So uh, on paper, sure, I think they could be pretty good if they do hit their ceiling, but there's a, a lot of ifs to get to that point. You make a really good point about Trey Wayne's living up to his contract. I think that that will be very, very difficult. I think that he needs to just be good and and then yeah. we'll be happy, right? Because his contract is 
enough to make him the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth highest paid cornerback in the NFL on an average value per year basis. Yeah, that's behind guys like Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Darius Slay, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, but it's ahead of William Jackson. It's ahead of Stephon Gilmore, who, given, is a couple years removed from his dominant peak. But the point is, it's ahead of a whole bunch of guys. And so when you talk about what is the the ceiling for the secondary, I think the ceiling is reasonably high because Trey Waynes can probably be an average corner in his average season. And I know I'm saying average twice, but I'm saying like in the average season, I think he's probably an average corner. I mm-hmm. think that Chido Bayabuzie is a bit of a wild card. And I think that he's really the question mark that will define the ceiling of this group. Can he be a very good coverage corner or is he going to be just maybe a little bit above average or an average corner? Because that's the, the question mark for the cornerbacks. Yeah. They have Jesse Bates, one of the best center fielders, one of the best single high safeties in the game. Yeah. You have Von Bell who came on strong as a good, strong safety in the second half of the season last year. Yeah, you have Mike Hilton, one of the best slot blitz and corners in the NFL, but can they cover? That's the most important thing for this cornerback group, and that will define the ceiling for that group. The depth is a little bit better. I went back and looked, James. It's probably one player better. If you go back to last year's depth chart on June 1st at corner, the first four guys were William Jackson, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Darius Phillips, because Trey Waynes hadn't gotten hurt yet at this point Mm -hmm. last year. And so you, you add Eli Apple in there and, and he's probably better than, you know, Tory McTire, Greg Mabin, LaShawn Sims, et cetera, but like not much better, certainly better. I think he's a very solid corner five or four or whatever he ends up being. But the depth is, is maybe one player better now than it was last year. And, and maybe Ricardo Allen is a bit of a wild card there, right? Maybe Lou Anarumo, we talked about, he played slot corner for Lou Anarumo back at Purdue. So maybe Ricardo Allen gets some strong safety slot corner responsibilities and some big dime looks. And and that may or may not improve depth. But I would call this more of a revamped group than necessarily an upgraded group. And I think that there are some real wild cards, especially when it comes to considering the coverage chops of the cornerbacks specifically that will need to do a lot if this group is to reach any sort of high ceiling that Bengals fans may be expecting. And I think that key, especially with William Jackson, right? Because that's a downgrade because we know how good he can be in coverage is fit. Clearly, the Bengals just didn't feel like he fit what Lou Anarumo wanted to do for one reason or another. It just didn't click as much as it could have. So we'll see there. Next question comes from Tyler Thurston 38 on Twitter. And it's not really a question, more of a statement. But he says, I don't understand why people think Pittsburgh won't be good. This is the toughest division in football. It will be a miracle. If the Bengals go 500 in the AFC North. Yeah, first off, I'm not sure that the AFC North is actually the toughest division in football. I think it's a very good division, but I think we would really have to look around before we call it the the hardest division in football. A lot of that depends NFC on the Bengals. West. Yeah, exactly. The NFC West is on paper stacked, <laughs> just absolutely stacked. Like all four teams could could be contending for playoff spots in the NFC West. So I think that, you know, you could make an argument that that's also the case in the AFC North if the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals are good teams, but that depends a lot on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals being good teams and the Browns not accidentally turning into a pumpkin because they want to do so. So 
why do we think that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't going to be very good this year? Well, it really all starts with Ben Roethlisberger and the offensive line. Ben Roethlisberger did not look very good down the stretch last year. The, the Steelers started off the year, what, 10-0, 11-0, 11-1 or something, and lost the rest of their games, including a game to a ravaged Cleveland team in the playoffs. And Ben Roethlisberger remains not very good. They lost players on their offensive line, although if you talk about the Pittsburgh offensive line, the Pittsburgh fans will start taking offense the way Bengals fans started taking offense to Mina's comments about the offensive line on NFL Live or uh, on ESPN. So the the question marks really are Ben, the offensive line, spending a first-round pick on a running back, and have they done enough on defense to remain as good where they've lost Bud Dupree, who... You know, I, I for a long time argued was overrated, but had come into his own in a big way. Replacing him with Alex Highsmith is on paper a downgrade. He has a chance to be good, but that's something that he has to prove. I think that the secondary got worse as well as they lose a couple of corners and Mike Hilton and Steve Nelson and Mike Hilton going to a division rival. So those are reasons that I think people are expecting the Steelers to maybe take a step back and it really mostly, I would say, boils down to Big Ben and his ability to put the team on his back at this point in his career. And I don't think he can do that. And I, I do wonder if we just see a revamp Steelers, you know, where you, you're talking about running game and defense. And if so, yeah, I still think they can be good. And I, I do agree that at least people in Cincinnati and the vibe I'm getting from a lot of personalities, not just fans, personalities in this town, assume the Steelers are just going to be bad and they've never been under 500 under Mike Tomlin. So it's a tough ask for the Bengals to make that leap given the talent around them, but they have more talent too. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting and the the Bengals should be competitive with the Steelers this year. I feel like that's a, a fair ask, even though the Steelers started 11 and 0 and were really good. And then uh, took a step back towards the end of last season. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, they're not necessarily going to be bad, but they're not contenders in my mind. I think that may be the key distinction that we're missing. Coming up next, more mailbag questions. It's an episode full of them. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's the NBA playoffs, MLB baseball, or UFC MMA. Maybe you want to get in on the Bengals in the AFC North. You think they're going to shock the world, maybe win the division, or Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. You can bet on all of it in one spot, betonline.ag. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action. You're already watching the games. You might as well make some coin while you do it. Go to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code Locked On on your first deposit. It's that simple. It's free money. BetOnline.ag. Use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse 
with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, James, our next couple of questions have to do with expectations for the defense and Lou Anarumo. So I'm going to combine these two questions from Joe Kopke at Joe Kopke2 on Twitter and JoJo Jammer at Win One Super Bowl on Twitter. Joe's question is essentially, what are your expectations for this defense? He believes that the run defense should be better with Hubbard, Reeder, and Shelvin, Von Bell, and Mike Hilton, and I would even say Trey Wayne's out there. He thinks that the pass rush should be improved with Osai and the depth they've added as well. And so the first question is, what are expectations? The second question from JoJo is, if the Bengals go 9-8 and eight this year, but the defense is still in the bottom fourth, the bottom 25% of the league, does Lou Anarumo make it to the 2022 season? JoJo doesn't have any faith in Lou Anarumo, but would be glad to say he's wrong if they get to 20 or better. So, the two questions are, what are expectations? And going hand in hand with that, if they don't meet those expectations, do we think Lou's seat is hot enough? If the offense is good, that they would replace just the defensive coordinator? I'll answer the last part first. Yes, if they're a bottom four defensive team in the league and they're still nine and eight, that means that Zach Taylor stays, right? That the, the team is moving in the right direction and people are probably excited at the same time. They need to make some tweaks to get over the top. So I would expect them to be really aggressive in free agency next offseason in that scenario and also make some changes to the coaching staff, one of which would probably be Luana Rumo again in that scenario that JoJo laid out, 9-8, and eight, where the defense struggles in the bottom fourth of the league. That said, where should expectations be? Well, I think expectations need to be not super high, like top 10 defense, but look, Luana Rumo, for better or worse, in, or uh, how do I phrase this? Like, there are so many new faces on this team, right? Geno Atkins, gone. Carlos Dunlap, gone. Uh, in, in all of these mainstays, William Jackson, gone. And ultimately, he got a lot of his guys, guys that he had either worked with prior or people that he has, or players that he's handpicked or targeted to bolster his defense. So fit should no longer be an issue. There's weird fits with Dunlap, weird fits with Jackson, just weird things that all the pieces should fit now. So if they're not better and more competent against the run, against the pass, where Baker Mayfield isn't throwing, uh, you know, 21 straight completions at Paul Brown Stadium without Odell Beckham Jr., where Kareem Hunt isn't running the ball, him and Nick Chubb, nine straight times to seal the game in week two, uh, you know, and, and it goes on and on. There, there are just games like that where it's just ridiculous. Phillip Rivers and what he did after the Bengals got out to that big lead in Indy. That stuff cannot happen because those are times where it's like, man, if the defense was just OK. So I don't want to give like a the Bengals need to be this in total defense, but they need to be better. They need to be better than competent. And, and get stops and force more, tur- more turnovers and force more pressure. And I think that's kind of the key here. How does Lou Anarumo find a way to get more pressure on opposing quarterbacks? They hope that the revamped defensive line is going to stop the run at a higher rate. We already talked about the secondary. So we'll see. 
but this is certainly his defense more so than it has ever been in his first two seasons. And that's how it should go, by the way. So naturally, we should see uh, a decent amount of progression this this season, and they should be better. Yeah, the defense has really been made in Lou Anamuro's image at this point, right? Like he's got his guys. And if it's going to look like whatever his vision for defense is, which we've discussed, I think is a lot of single high stuff and multiple fronts, this would be the year for it to come together. That being said, I don't know if I agree that the run defense is going to be better. I don't know if I agree that the pass rush should be theoretically greatly improved because I think that they just have a lot to prove. I think that those are things that very well could happen, but I'm kind of in the same boat of Jojo and I just don't have that faith. Like, yes, they've added players and you can see how the fit would work and how they should be better against the run and how maybe these these young guys they've added to the pass rushing rotation with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard could improve the pass rush. But I mean, they're still we're talking third and fourth round picks. I know Osai is a guy that a lot of people saw as a early second round pick, but he was picked in the third round. And so how much of an impact are we really going to get from year one? out of third round, fourth round picks and a guy in Trey Hendrickson, who I think we have another question about, but I think that's another big wild card, right? With Awuzie, where the question is really, can he repeat the level of productivity or not even repeat, but come close to the level of productivity he had in New Orleans, where the Bengals are going to ask him to do more against the run than the Saints did. The Saints, like I said, I've said either on this podcast or other podcasts or both have essentially last year hid him, hid Trey Hendrickson from the run and used him as primarily a pass rushing specialist. And the Bengals seem to be very high on his ability to defend the run. So I think that there's a lot tied up in Trey Hendrickson, especially with the money they invested there. And if, if he can be, you know, nearly as productive as he was last year and a solid run defender, then yeah, the defensive line does look a lot better, especially if they get anything out of those rookies. But I mean, that's a lot of questions, right? And and right now with this coaching staff, it might be the biggest question. It might be the biggest question of all. It might be that they have the talent right now and we just don't know if the coaches can put them in the right place or maximize that talent. It could be. And I think for me, it's just hard to, to speak about anything authoritatively or predictively when there's just so much unknown. Yeah, we've seen Lou Anaruma for two years, but he's shown us nothing to think suddenly these things are going to be fixed, right? Yes, they have new players, but now we need to see Anna Rumo and his defensive staff, new defensive line coach, put it all together and, and improve some of these areas that have been problematic. And those questions are not questions that I think we're ready to answer yet. Speaking of questions, next question comes from Jake Bowling at jbowling66 on Twitter. Do Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd have a chance to become the next A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu, or even the next Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushman, Zada, and Chris Henry? Or do you think they will be even better than those two trios? This is another one of those where it's really hard to say right now, right? I mean, I think that Chad, T.J. Henry, probably better than Green, Jones, Sanu, although A.J. Green was really, really good. Chad was also really, really good. And I think TJ and Henry probably a little bit better than Jones Sanu. I think like if you were to, so let's, let's do this, James. If you were to make your trio, 
trio of wide receivers from this pool of nine guys, which three guys would you pick? Chad Johnson, obviously. Ooh, then I mean, A.J. Green, you have to have him. And then the best slot of the group, it, it would probably be TJ, but it might be Boyd in another year or two, right? So, like... It, it it that that's the the debate, but to me it's you know Chad and AJ, and then the third. I and you might get some by the way that in like six games of of Jamar Chase's career say hell put Jamar Chase in at slot and just just eat that way because that from a physical standpoint might work the best. Yeah. So notice that the only one in the conversation from the current group is Boyd. And I think that's because obviously T Higgins and Jamar Chase have a lot to prove from a talent level. They, they could certainly get there, but that projection is really hard when Chad and TJ and Henry were as great as they were. And AJ Green was as great as he was with Marvin Jones being a very solid number two, carving out a very viable NFL career. Sanu, I think probably the worst slot of the group, but still a pretty solid player. It's just TJ and Boyd are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and that's the simple conversation at slot. So do they have a chance? Of course they have a chance. I think that you listed in the right order. First you shoot for, let's see if we can be as productive as AJ Marvin and, and Muhammad. And then you see if you can get to Chad, TJ, Chris, right. And that's the, that's the order of accomplishment for this group. And can they get there? I mean, if Joe Burrow's what we think they, that he is, he should elevate these guys and give them every chance in the world. I feel like I'm answering a lot of questions with questions today. I'll try to do a little bit better when we finish out the mailbag coming up next. One thing I don't have questions about is rockauto.com. There is nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. You don't want to get stuck on the side of the road. And right now with the weather warm, you can do that auto maintenance and you can save money doing it with rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've served auto parts customers online for more than two decades, and it doesn't matter what you're looking for. They're going to have it. Kia, Chrysler, doesn't matter the make, the model. They're going to have what you need. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from the hundreds of manufacturers they have. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I've used them. You should, too. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Built Bar's nine delicious flavors are still on their website. Just waiting for you to try them. If you've been a longtime listener to the Lockdown Bengals podcast, you've heard James and I rant and rave about these delicious protein bars. James has been eating them since before he came back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast, and he was just stoked to find out they were a sponsor. They've got a flavor for everybody from the coconut almond, the coconut straight up, the cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, And limited time flavors, they just sent us a box of a new one, the Grasshopper Cookie flavor. So they're not afraid to experiment. And not only do they taste amazing, they're good for you too. They're high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. So go check them out right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll save 15% on your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, James, in an effort to answer less questions with questions or uncertainty, let's go lightning round. 
We haven't done this for a while. Let's wrap up the mailbag by picking up the pace a little bit. And the first question of the lightning round comes from Kyle Parker at Darth Berserker 9. How many games do you think it'll take for General Joe to get his full-on swag back? And I'm assuming that General Joe is Burrow, and maybe Lieutenant Joe would be Mixon. Yeah, I, I assume it would be Joe Burrow, too. Full-on swag? I mean, it's already back. The, the swag part, back. Don't got to worry about that. I think it's going to be back the moment he steps on the field uh, week one and, and maybe even in the preseason. And that's the key. And I know you didn't mean swag, uh, Darth, there. Uh, you, you mean when is he going to look like himself? And to me, the preseason could matter a little bit if he plays or not. But I would say a month into the year is when you're really going to see. Not that he's not going to be good for that first month, but where he might be not even thinking about the injury. You know, it, there's going to be a little time there. And it doesn't mean, again, that he's not going to be good. And I'm saying uh, he's going to throw three touchdowns and 10 picks the first month of the season. But it is going to take a little bit of time. So maybe a, a month into the year, when we get into October, you start to see Joe, full-on Joe, in all the growth, all of the improvement that we expect from him. Plus, he's not even thinking about that. And it's going to take a little time. But um, again, he can still be productive in that first month of the season. And that's where my expectations are. Next question comes from at Barrel Bengal on Twitter. Where would you rank the Bengals wide receiver corps in the NFL? Are they top 10, top five? I don't think that they're top five today. But I think that this answer might look very different in five months. And, and it's going to be entirely dependent on their top three, right? Because the strength of the wide receiver unit is certainly the top three. I think the depth, not necessarily great. Auden Tate, a fine backup for sure. Not really sure about the, the slot backup yet, but you look around the NFL today, Julio Jones, today being Sunday, gets traded to Tennessee. Now A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are probably part of a wide receiver core that I would put ahead of the Bengals right now. And, and you know, you guys can argue with me about Julio's age, about his durability, about whatever. The reality is he's been hurt like one year and he's been monstrously productive for most of that time. So today I would put them ahead. I would put the Dallas Cowboys three-headed monster ahead in Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. That one, again, could be very different by the middle of the year. But right now it's ahead. I would put... Probably, and this one is is maybe a little bit challenging, but Buffalo might be ahead because Cole Beasley might be a better slot receiver in, in that offense than Tyler Boyd. I, I think that's something that could change very quickly, but Cole Beasley was phenomenally productive last year from the slot, and Stephon Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league. So that just kind of is what it is, adding Emmanuel Sanders to that group makes that a really strong group, and Gabriel Davis is solid depth. So I think Buffalo, you know, it's probably close, but there's an argument. I think Tampa with Mike Evans and and Godwin, those two guys by themselves, the depth is also great there. Tyler Johnson, Antonio Brown. Minnesota, there's an argument too, right? Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, I think those guys are really good. But for the most part, what gives the Bengals an advantage perhaps is that they have the third guy. They go three deep. And so when you start to make arguments to say the Bengals are actually top five, it's because, you know, people are expecting Jamar Chase to be that true number one right away. And maybe he is. And and that would put them in that group. But 
Currently, I would say maybe top 10-ish, right? Because I think Bengals fans that, that think higher are maybe underselling the strength of some of these other teams. But I think probably pretty comfortably top 10, maybe somewhere around between 7 and 9 right now, not counting any tight ends or anything, focusing only on wide receivers. Next question comes from Joey B. Comeback Season at Burrow underscore SZN on Twitter. Besides Joe Burrow on offense and Jesse Bates on defense, who is the most important and can't lose player on each side of the ball? I'll start with offense. Jonah Williams, starting left tackle. You've had him for 10 games over the past two seasons. I think you you need to not only see what he can do, but obviously keep Joe Burrow upright. And he's the guy that you're banking on to do that. On defense, it's the man that they're agreed to, to pay $60 million to over the next four seasons. I think it's Trey Hendrickson. He's extremely important to bolster that pass rush. Can he be an upgrade from Carl Lawson? That's the question. I think a lot of us think he's a slight downgrade. Can he not only prove the people that think that wrong, but can he be uh, you know, an upgrade? That, that's um, something that remains to be seen, but he certainly has talent. And if you lose him, what do you have as a pass rush? You know, are you really banking on Joseph Osai and Sam Hubbard? That's that's tough if that's what you're banking on. So I think he's extremely valuable given what they paid him and what they think he can do. Last question, and we're going to stop the lightning round and dive into this one, comes from Evan John at Evan John 777 on Twitter. If you had to pick one rookie wide receiver heading into the 2021 season, would you pick an identically repeated career of A.J. Green catching passes from Joe Burrow or take Jamar Chase and his unknown but optimistic future in stripes? Yeah, we talked about this one a little bit before we recorded because it's interesting, right? And the thing is, I just can't convince myself not to take A.J. Green and that known commodity that was an all-pro level wide receiver for several years. And if not an all pro, a pro bowler, like three elite, elite, elite seasons, several very, very good seasons, great seasons. And Jamar Chase could be all those things. But it reminds me, you know, the the family guy episode. You could either have a boat or whatever's in the box. (laughs) Anything could be in the box, even a boat. So sure, Jamar Chase could very well be better than A.J. Green. He could be as good as A.J. Green, and I have high expectations for Jamar Chase. I think he should be a very, very good NFL receiver, but the fact is that we just know how good A.J. was, and does anyone out there not think he would be better with Joe Burrow as his primary quarterback instead of Andy Dalton? I mean, doesn't that just tip the scales a little bit when you think about how great A.J. was? and how much better we think Joe is than Dalton was? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's the the thing, is you're talking about a known commodity, a guy who was a seven-time Pro Bowler, and for the first four, five years of his peak, or really his entire peak, we thought that the quarterback might be holding him back a little bit. 2015, maybe not, is the lone year where that wasn't the case. So, look, I'm high on Jamar Chase, At the same time, I don't forget how great A.J. Green was and thinking in 2011 and then definitely 2012, 2013, how great A.J. Green could be if he had elite quarterback and how Andy could have been holding him back some. So uh, I would take A.J. Green with with bells on in that scenario because he is a proven commodity. And hopefully Jamar Chase 
is the next AJ Green and more. We just don't know that yet. He does look the part of being an elite receiver, and we'll see if he can do it. But you, you got to go with the known commodity. I mean, that's why the Bengals pick Chase, so they can find an elite option, uh, much like they did in 2011, 10 years prior with the fourth pick. They did with Chase with the fifth pick in uh, a couple months ago in the draft. The theme of this mailbag has been uncertainty, I think, (laughs) right? Certainty versus uncertainty. A lot of questions asking us to project things or asking us about confidence or ceilings. And it's all just so far away right now. And the team is so different than it was last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball that, man, it's just, it's a lot to, it's a lot to project. And I think as I always talk about, it's it's just a very wide range of outcomes. There are a lot of possibilities. Before we wrap up the mailbag, James, just want to read a question from Tip the Bengals at Ireland Who Day. He said, can we get more female guests on? Great show with Mina Kimes and her take on dealing with the national audience and how to provide such content. We would love to. And we will almost certainly do so. We've had some really remarkable women on in the past and hope to continue that trend as there are more and more women putting out great content. And we really enjoyed Mina coming on. Glad you liked that episode. And one other question I wanted to just shout out real quick, because I think this is really interesting and it's something that maybe we'll talk about another time. James was Dustin Croft's question asking about the responsibility of media and podcasters like ourselves with regard to not being perhaps overly critical of everything a player says or does in light of what's going on with Naomi Osaka in the French Open. And so that's perhaps a conversation for us as we think about how we're going to cover players and some of the things that they say, some of the things that they do in the coming year. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Bengals weekend mailbag to start your week out. Until next time, Bengals fans, we're back recording on Tuesday after OTAs. That episode will come out Tuesday night and be available for you on Wednesday morning. Who day? And have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.